welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast, episode number 37. Today we are unwrapping all the uh, Hacktoberfest presents coming out in 0.81. Joining me today, as always, is Rohan. How's it going? Good, good. Just got back from sunny California. Now I'm uh, back in almost winterland in Toronto. So, Oh, nice. Well, our uh, season's changing the opposite way, so... I don't really feel sorry for you because I'm getting the good weather now. Yeah, exactly. It sounds like I'm going to be flying out there now. (laughs) (laughs) Huge changes uh, in this release. There's uh, more of a focus now. We can see uh, moving away from YAML files uh, and more of a push to the user interface. We'll break it all down, but congratulations to everyone for supporting Hacktoberfest and Home Assistant. There's been so many contributions. In fact, there's so many. uh, We've just had to dedicate this whole episode just to those features. Yeah, that's amazing. There's uh, just, I mean, looking through the list of stuff that uh, that we've got here is uh, pretty massive just on the Home Assistant project. But uh, again, like we talked about last time, there's it's it's not exclusive to Home Assistant, right? Hacktoberfest is just, it's open to everybody and, you know, you can participate in whatever which way, so. Yeah, even all the the satellite little home assistant project, like home automation projects out there as well. I know Zigbee to MQTT and all the other little projects have been seeing a lot of uh, pickup as well with people contributing as well. Yeah, exactly. And from what I understand, there's still time, so you can still get swag. So like free t-shirt and all that stuff too. Yeah, it ends on Wednesday, so you haven't got much time, but you know. That's right. Hurry up. <laughs> also, Home Assistant Cloud is out of beta now. So we talked about this last time, and I think the time before that as well. And uh, so basically, there's a subscription cost to Home Assistant for if you choose to do Echo integration as well as Google Home integration uh, through the cloud. I mean, you can still do the free way by uh, by using the uh, integrations in the platform, or you can subscribe to uh, Nabucasa and use it that way as well. And I think they just added PayPal support as well. So that's nice. If you're a bit worried about handing your credit card over to just anyone, you can now use PayPal to subscribe to Home Assistant Cloud as well. Yeah, exactly. That's actually how I subscribed earlier this morning. So Just that one single place to update the credit card when it expires, I guess. That's right. I don't know even where to begin in this release. So <laughs> I think the <laughs> the biggest one we should talk about is the new permission space that comes with 0.81. This is the initial work for permissions in Home Assistant. This is something that we've talked about previously on other episodes that we can see coming along. In this release, it's you can finally start seeing it in action. The way Paulus describes it is the goal of uh, 0.81 is to make the permissions available, but they're not necessarily enforceable. So don't expect restrictions or anything like that to work just yet. So there's now going to be the concept of users and groups in Home Assistant. We've already got users. Uh, We had to recently register a user when you signed into Home Assistant for the first time. They will now be assigned to a group, and the default user group is going to be called All Access, which all non-system users, i.e. if you create another user account, uh, you'll be assigned to this All Access group. This time, so with 0.81, there's no ability for you to create or edit any groups. It's uh, just a a sign of where things are going to go in Home Assistant. So 
yeah, watch out for that one. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I mean, that's it's it's great to see again. It's great to see us going in this direction as well, right? So you can have, you know, let's say a family of four, you can have all four of you with your own accounts and stuff, and uh, the kids can't change the TV in the parents' room, for example. Ex- exactly, exactly. Or, or you know, the kids can't do certain things, and the parents can, right? Or the kids can do certain things, and the parents yeah. can't. And you can say, hey, sorry guys, you got to do the dishes because the sensor says so, and I can't change it, <laughs> right? <laughs> The ultimate excuse, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> also, uh, there's now support for uh, Elk M1 alarm and automation panels. Along with that, the switches uh, and some scene platforms as well. So if you're in that, uh, I guess that's technically an ecosystem of its own. So if you're in that ecosystem, you're lucky. There you go. You now have home assistant support. Amazon Web Services or AWS, the Route 53 dynamic DNS is now supported in Home Assistant this is similar, once again, to the DuckDNS and Cloudflare that was recently added. So if you don't want to use DuckDNS for managing your external access to Home Assistant, you now can use AWS. So that's a cool little addition as well. Yeah. Also, uh, Dyson Hot and Cool Fan. Uh, you can now use that as a climate device. So that's uh, that's kind of handy for the change of season. So. Yeah. Actually, I... Um, I've been watching the Dyson component in Home Assistant for quite a while, and I've always noticed that it never supported the the hot and cool fan. I'm like, uh, I guess I won't buy one then. But I think this has pretty much convinced me that now I need to buy. Like, it's been a life goal of mine to own one of those funky little fans. Yeah. And now that it's supported with hot and cool, and it's actually in the climate device, that's. I think I'm sold. I'm buying one. Right. And, and, and I think that's, that's pretty handy too, right? It's, it's the fact that now you can use that and you can, uh, integrate it with, with, uh, home assistant. Then at that point, it's, you know, that much easier for you to justify it to yourself. <laughs> exactly. Uh, not that I needed much justification. Right. Though. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Verizon Fios quantum gateway. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, we talked about these in our spotlight on presence detection. This is another, gateway or router that you can now use as a device tracker so when a phone or a tablet connects to that router you can now track it as who's home who's not home so if you have one of those uh, gateways uh, check that out as well also there's a new water heater component in home assistant so uh, if you have things like a smart water heater uh, you can actually control that with home assistant now so that's actually really uh, interesting. So I wonder if there's support for specific water heater models or if it's just a generic template and you can just kind of pair whatever water heater to those. Um, have, you, have you seen anything on that, Phil? Or? So there is uh, two components have been moved, which we'll get into in the breaking changes. Uh, so there's at least two uh, brands of water heater that have been moved into this new water heater component. Uh, but the new water heater component that's being introduced in 0.81 is generic enough so that uh, future components that may want to have a new smart water heater come in to use Home Assistant, there's the the base uh, component here. Similar to how you've got a light that has, you know, the turn on, turn off service, this new water heater component will have its base uh, details ready to go. That's really cool. Okay, so you can actually see uh, see you know, how, what's being done with the water right now, at like kind of real time as well in your heater. Yeah, I guess if, if your water heater supports that, you know, I, before I read these release notes, I didn't understand, I did, didn't know that a smart water heater existed. Yeah, yeah. So, but as part of the component, it will tell you 
uh, what controls you can do. So like what mode the water heater is in, if it's off, if it's in economy mode, or if it's you know set to use electricity or set to use gas, you can actually monitor that in Home Assistant. And there's other services as well. So if you want to shut it off, maybe when you go on vacation mm-hmm. and your water heater supports that, you can then tell the water heater, turn off, no one's home, just shut down. So yeah, smart way to save energy bills there. Yeah, that's so awesome. That's yeah. really cool. Because what Water heaters are huge guzzlers of uh, energy as well. So Yeah, especially when, you know, nobody's home, but it's still there heating the water just in case someone turns a tap on. So, yeah, that's really yeah, cool. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I've actually been looking at getting uh, not a smart water heater. I, I, I have seen those, but probably one of those uh, tankless heaters, right? So they're just kind of right. on demand. They just turn on when you need them. Apparently, they're pretty efficient, but I need to do more research on that, so. But that's yep. awesome. I love uh, I love seeing this kind of stuff because again, it's very practical. It'll mm. help you save money, even if nothing, right? So by by monitoring it within Home Assistant, so that's awesome. And it's good that they've made it a standard component. So moving forward, when the next thing comes along, it's already there in Home Assistant, good to go. So they can just yeah. leverage that. And we may even be able to use something in the future, like how uh, MQTT lights and light groups are supported. Maybe they'll be able to use like a template water heater sensor so that if there's, you know, like you want to do an MQTT version of it, you can at least leverage that and build your own with maybe a a Raspberry Pi or something. So, yeah, lots of potential for that component. So watch out for that. Sure, sure. That's awesome. The New South Wales Rural Fire Service platform has been added in this release. So this is one of, uh, we spoke about the geolocation platform a couple of releases ago. This component utilizes the geolocation platform. Uh, it retrieves information about bushfires from the Rural Fire Service in New South Wales, which is in Australia here. And then it will generate entities based on uh, events that are happening in real time. So if there's a bushfire or a grass fire or anything like that, it will add an entity to Home Assistant. And as part of that entity, it will include the latitude and longitude to show on the home assistant map the current event that's happening. So then you can use it, uh, one of the examples that's in the docs, which is really cool. So you can use the information in the entity, uh, say a bushfire breaks out, you can automatically close the windows in your home or turn on the outside sprinklers, depending on how far away that bushfire is from your house. Or you can even just use it to you know, maybe set a reminder that you need to clean the gutters and get rid of those dry leaves. So really, really cool use of this geolocation platform. So well done, guys. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Uh, and, and, and I know this doesn't even remotely apply to me because I'm in the exact opposite side of the world. And and but I mean I love seeing this kind of stuff as well, right? There's there's such a practical use for this. So I mean I'd I'd love to see more for uh, especially for more, again, like you said, uh, fire-prone areas and stuff, right? So it's... Uh, yeah. It's well, a- well, the good thing about the, the geolocation platform is that it's not specific for fires. So if maybe you're in a, a location that has a lot of tsunamis or earthquakes mm-hmm. or anything like that, or, uh, yeah, there's flooding, yeah, you can... The, the geolocation platform is designed to be agnostic to the event. So, yeah, lots of cool things i'm really excited about this platform yeah yeah same that's that's really interesting uh also more for if you're in new south wales uh so there's a new travel sensor that's been added for uh for your public transport so basically you can just enter your route number your stop id and basically homelessness will say hey here's when uh here's when your bus is going to get here i guess so or the train i guess yeah that's cool i want that for my yeah. uh my my job as good morning greeting 
but I'm in the wrong state for that. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. If you have an LG soundbar, uh, they're now supported in Home Assistant. There'll be another uh, media player component, so you can control those with the Home Assistant. That's neat. Swedish Weather Institute. Uh, So now there's a weather component pulling data from the Swedish Weather Institute. So one important thing here is uh, you actually need to set this up through the config panel. So there's no YAML setup available. So that's kind of interesting. So yeah, this is the the theme we're seeing in 0.81. Everything seems to be, a lot of things uh, seem to be moving away from YAML. And I thought this was interesting that it's this whole component, you don't touch a, a YAML file. And this is moving to that you know, user interface driven home assistant that everyone's you know complaining. Everyone's talking about, you know, oh, home assistant, you got to learn how to code. Well, here's a component right now that you don't need to touch a single line of code. You set it up all in the, in the user interface. So that's where things are heading. Yeah, that's it. So that's, that's, uh, I mean, it's, it's cool that, uh, again, people are starting to actually take that, right? Because now it's not a, okay, let me do it here, let me do it there kind of thing. Let me, uh, there's no halvesies, right? So yeah, it's like this one's kind of all in onto that one. So awesome. If you have a mill heater, brand mill, it's now supported as a climate device. So there you go. You can integrate that with Home Assistant. Also rTorrent. So if you use rTorrent in your setup, then you can see your kind of current download and upload speeds and things like that. Sort of moving into the breaking changes, we're going to start off with, there's a new service uh, added with 0.81, and it's uh, kind of important. It's the update entity service. So this allows you to manually trigger when uh, an entity or a sensor should be updated. So the the way it's described about this is, think if you have a, a travel time sensor, similar to that New South Wales one we were just talking about. You don't want Home Assistant to go out and check every 60 seconds, I think, by default, Home Assistant checks for things. You don't want it to go out and dial an API every 60 seconds, especially if you're paying to use that API. So now you can have the update entity service to, uh, you can basically create your own automation in Home Assistant and set, you know, maybe rules, maybe between 9 and 10 a.m., then go out and trigger this update entity to go out, dial the REST API, and find out when the next travel time is. So this is important because coming as of 0.81, there is a breaking change for template sensors. Uh, mm-hmm. This will they will no longer track all changes from Home Assistant. Uh, they tried to do this a few releases ago, where template sensors would have to uh, define an entity ID uh, in order to be updated, and. I think this is going to be a, a very big breaking change for people that do rely on template sensors. I know I'm certainly in this boat. Uh, so previously, uh, before 0.81, when you had a template sensor, whenever a state changed, so you could have a kitchen light changed, but you were monitoring a template for uh, a date. When the kitchen light changed, Home Assistant would have to go through and update all of your template sensors. And this was causing a lot of a lot of bottlenecks in Home Assistant, especially when you start adding multiple, multiple template sensors. So mm. now with template sensors no longer tracking all the changes, you'll need to supply an entity ID when you set up that template sensor in your YAML file. And you can tell it, okay, when the kitchen light changes, then update this sensor to tell just check if the kitchen light is on or off. Now this becomes a little bit tricky where there's, we're using a template that don't really rely on entity IDs. For example, I have a template sensor that works to uh, basically so I can tell which uh, 
bin I need to put out? Do I need to put out the recycling bin or do I need to put out the green waste bin? And I use the dates. Now, coming uh, as of 0.81, Home Assistant won't automatically check uh, for that template sensor every time something updates. So I'll need to use the update entity service to go in uh, maybe once a day at midnight and force that template to go out, check itself, and then return true or false and update the value of that template. So yeah, if you're using template sensors, I would yeah very much make sure you go through your YAML files carefully and check out these breaking change notices because this is a big one for you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Yeah, that's huge. There's a lot of people that use templates and uh, templates as well. So remember from from a support perspective, you can always hit up the discord or, or, or the forums as well and, and get some help from there uh, if, if you do need them. Yeah, I know previously when they did this, Home Assistant was going to try and detect based on your your template, what entities ID to watch for. But I think this is taking it one step further and just going, no, you need to hard code them. Now we're not trying to try and detect that for you. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, there is a point to it, right? And they've been trying to do this for a little bit, like you said. So no, that's, uh, you know, uh, it's something people just have to look out for. So Mm. also, uh, Econet and Wink. Uh, so we talked about this earlier, uh, with the water heater sensor. So if you use uh, either of those two components from a water heater perspective, uh, it's been, uh, it's been moved from the climate platform. So before it was basically treated as a thermostat, which I guess it technically is, but it's treated as, uh, as an actual water heater. That will be a breaking change. Make sure you move that over if you, if you use those components. Well, one, interesting that uh, for those hot water services, they were able to use the climate platform. That just shows how versatile Home Assistant can be, that you can use the you know the climate platform to sort of get things working. But I think it's a, a good move that they're being moved over to a proper smart yeah. water heater component yeah. now. So, yeah, that's great. Well, and, and, and I mean, assumably there's going to be more companies working on that kind of stuff and such as well so i I know the there's a brand called ream i believe it's called which is yes. pretty large it's it's one it's one of those default ones that you know every house has too right so yeah i believe yep. they they've got a smart water heater um I've, I've i've seen one or two others and whose names i can't think of right now but um <laughs> uh, but yeah i mean like it, it's a thing it's it's been around for a little bit as as you see more people utilizing those uh those kind of devices and it, it just becomes more standard for for consuming it right and and you know let's say uh you know hopefully this doesn't happen to you but let's say your water heater breaks down for whatever reason you got to change it and you put in put a different brand in well at, at least you're still uh you're still kind of normalized in terms of what uh what functionality you can expect from home assistant and and uh you, you don't really need to do a whole lot of uh uplift right so from an automation exactly, perspective everything's standardized exactly so lifex light bulbs can now be set up using the integrations page so configuring lifex or lifex how would you pronounce it rohan i think it's lifex isn't it i don't know yeah yeah it's always been a 
I've always seen a few people calling him differently. I guess it's GIF or GIF, maybe it's one of those sort of arguments people have. But uh, LifeX bulbs <laughs> can now be set up using the integrations page. Uh, you will no longer need to configure LifeX with uh, YAML anymore, so that won't be supported. Uh, once again, moving things over to the UI. So that's really cool. Yeah, interesting. Also, Daikin Climate Platforms. Basically, that's moving, uh, that's being updated to be more consistent with other climate platforms and such. Again, and, and, and from what it sounds like, there's also going to be HomeKit integration and such on those as well. And there are now support for multiple Octoprint printers. So if you're lucky enough to have more than one Octoprint printer at home, you can now uh, use multiple in Home Assistant but it is going to require anyone that has the Octoprint platform enabled. You have to go in and update your YAML file just to convert everything to a list, even if you've got right. one. So just watch out for that. Uh, so if you use Simply Safe today, it's actually been converted to its own component. So modify your YAML files to keep it working. <laughs> <laughs> and the configuration option for days has been removed from the speed test sensor. I know a lot of people love the speed test sensor. So if you're using that configuration option, just watch out for that before you hit the update button. And sadly, we do have a component that's been removed. So if you use the Ryobi garage door opener, just reading through the PR, it looks like, you know, uh, the, the component itself doesn't work anymore from, uh, I guess, an API perspective. So that component has been removed. That's a little bit sad. So it's, it's interesting when I bought my garage door opener, that's actually one of the ones I was looking at. Uh, and it actually looked really cool too, so... Oh, so you dodged a bullet there, I think. I think so, but uh, unfortunately, not everybody must have. So uh, yeah. I, again, it, with stuff like that, it's something you can you can always put pressure back on uh, on the company. I, again, I'm not sure exactly what the issue is, but it, the, the PR just says the component doesn't work anymore, mm. uh, and 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 sadly, they have to remove it. And that's the problem with a lot of these cloud yeah. components. They they need the the cloud to the cloud base to constantly be online. And as soon as the company up sticks and says, no, we're not supporting the cloud anymore, you lose that functionality. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, Fabian actually put a note there saying uh, the dependency they're using is no longer available. So again, I'm not sure if that dependency is, uh, is the actual API itself or, or if there's uh, if there's another, like the Python component that, that itself got pulled out. So. Um, in either case, the, uh, if you're in the Ryobi garage door ecosystem, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, other noteworthy updates, uh, actually a couple for HomeKit. The first, the logbook has been added as a support for HomeKit. So when you open or close a lock or you add an accessory to HomeKit, you'll now see a log entry in Home Assistant. This is similar to uh, the Amazon Echo. I won't say her name for you podcast listeners. When you provided commands to your Amazon Echo uh, from 0.80. That's now going in your logbook. It's now happening also for Siri as well. So that's a cool addition. Also, uh, from a HomeKit perspective, the water heater component that we've talked about a couple of times already, <laughs> <laughs> interestingly enough, that's going to be supported in uh, in HomeKit. So there you go. If you've got one of those connected water heaters, you're in luck. Really seems as though we're subliminally sending out a message that everyone needs to get a smart water heater. I promise that's <laughs> not the case. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's, uh, I mean, if you are, if you if you do believe that, I'm, I, I wouldn't be sad if you sent me one either. So, <laughs> we're still waiting for our Teslas, though. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, there's there's a priority queue here. It's, uh, <laughs> 
Tesla first. Uh, and some other general changes. There's so much in this uh, release. I so know. some more components are getting uh, entity registry love. With the new entity registry in Home Assistant, not all components support it yet. But when they do support it, it does allow you to do some cool things such as updating entity IDs on the fly from within the UI. And there has been, thanks to Hacktoberfest and all these awesome contributors to Home Assistant, there have been a few components. So I'm just going to rattle them off for you. If you use any of these components, you now have the ability to update entity IDs and change names all from the UI. So here we go. We've got Insteon, the MQTT, including binary sensors, switches, fans, and covers. Osram Lightify is also now supported. Niato and Bloom Sky cameras, sync through sensors, ring video doorbells, and Vera devices. So you now have the ability to edit those entity IDs in Home Assistant. So that is awesome. So thank you yeah. for everyone that has contributed to those components. Yeah, that's amazing. Kind of adding on to your uh, your point, Phil. Also, from a Z-Wave perspective, for activating Z-Wave support, that's actually moved over from YAML to the UI as well. So USB path and network key have moved over. And, and so you, you'd use a configuration panel for that. Things like auto heal and polling, uh, polling interval are still in the YAML, but I could see that moving in the next couple of releases as well. Yeah, that's real cool. Because Z-Wave is very popular with Home Assistant. You know, you see a lot of people yeah. asking for support. So yeah, having Z-Wave, once again, it's all about that. Just use the UI. So soon you'll be able to just probably even from now, from this release 0.81, just open up Home Assistant, plug in a, a USB stick, and then go into the UI and say, yep, this is where my USB is, and I want to activate now. It'll generate a network key, and away you go. You you just start adding everything through the UI. That is amazing. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. So we're, we're getting more towards that uh, simplification of the of the system, right? So. Mm. And Home Assistant will now, uh, as part of the new permissions and everything, there's going to be some events that you can hook into if you if you feel like it, the home system will now fire events when a user is added or removed to the system. So I'm not sure what you might want to use this for in terms of automation, but this will be good for maybe plugin authors or component authors or anything like that that can now hook in and go, okay, a user was added. Maybe I need to do this for my component now or update the permissions here. So something to watch out for. That'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Yeah, it's it's also good for again. I I doubt many many home users are doing this, but it's also good if you have uh, if you actually are concerned with your security. For example, if you if your home assistant is facing outwards uh, to the to the internet, it's, it's typically good to have uh, logs and stuff as well, right? So you can actually have that trigger a log for as part of that as well. Um, or normally, if you're not adding a new user uh, every day, so maybe you can have an automation that says, "Hey, you know some." A user's added, just FYI kind of thing. So then you can always yeah. jump back in and say, if that wasn't you, you can be like, uh, okay, what's going on? Exactly. You can have a, an automation set up just to use like a, send you a Facebook message as soon as a user's been added to Home Assistant so you can verify, oh, who's adding me? Who's adding people to my Home Assistant installation? Exactly. And then, and then you know, maybe that, that means you can even have a push notification with it, like an event-based push notification. You can actually, you know, say, hey, okay, accept or reject or something like that, right? So uh, and then, you know, if you reject, mm. it'll go back in and delete the user kind of thing. Um, th- th- there's there's some interesting use cases there. That's cool. 
Yeah, again, I I think I don't I don't know if it's for everybody, but uh, but if you are interested in that kind of thing, then I mean, I would think you'd be able to do do that with that. So, also, uh, loveliest cards now have an ID. Um, I mean, that statement in itself is pretty self-explanatory, but uh, but essentially, because of uh, wanting to move the config to your Lovelace UI bit into the Home Assistant configuration, into the config panel and such, essentially, it's it's going to have an, it's going to require an ID for that to happen. So, there you go. That's interesting. I remember now that you can do some automations in the UI. If you add an ID to the automations in your yaml file you won't be able to uh see it in the the states of home assistant i believe mm, no that's not true sorry you won't you it needs an id for it to be uh editable in the home assistant config panel so now that these will have ids you might be able to then uh start editing them from within the the config panel got it okay that's cool and of course, there is some love for Xiaomi devices in this release. So there's the support for the Xiaomi vibration sensor, the data key and power consume attributes from the Aquara wall switches are now working. They weren't previously working. And there's also the basic support for the Philips Zuhui. I, it's not even going to try and correct that. The desk <laughs> lamp, which is supplied by Xiaomi. So, yeah, some cool Xiaomi stuff coming out of there. The vibration sensor is very cool. Uh, that's a good addition. That would be interesting to put luck on top of a, a washing machine uh, to detect when the washing machine stopped rumbling and it's done. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a, that's a cool little one to have in. No, that's awesome. And I think that's the, uh, that's the end of the list for, for this uh, week. So that was, that well, was long. That, that was long. And I don't think we even covered half of it. So... Yeah. The beta for this release 0.81 came out Monday, just Monday just gone. So now uh, that's going to leave another week and a half of potential new features to come in 0.82 for yeah. Hacktoberfest. So I think 0.82 is going to be another big release as well. So congratulations to everyone who has been participating in Hacktoberfest. It's been amazing. I think... Uh, did you see on Twitter, Home Assistant was in top, ranked in one of the, the top 10 uh, fastest growing uh, open source projects? Oh, no, I didn't. That's that's amazing. Yeah. I gotta, yeah. I gotta, yeah. Let me, I'll check that out after the after we finish this. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. So, like, the contributions to Home Assistant are just amazing. So, yeah, we really appreciate it. And, yeah, Home Assistant's just making leaps and bounds here. It's awesome. Yeah, that is amazing, and and congrats to the home assistant team as well. That's that's a that's a great achievement. Yeah. All right. I don't know about you. Do you need another coffee now? Because that was crazy. <laughs> yeah, I think I do. I think I do. Oh, uh, do you have anything else you'd like to add today before we wrap it up? Uh, no. I think uh, I think I'm good for today. So. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening, and uh, yeah, thank you for everyone for contributing to. Hacktoberfest and here's to another big release in 0.82 Cheers Cheers Australia whatever your reason for a good hot shower Ream will always come on steady hot and strong Stop.